Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 35, 30, wait, 35, 34, 34, dang it, failure. We all deal with it on a weekly, if not daily basis. Some fails are small, like forgetting the show number, but others are big, like closing down a business. We're going to share some of the failures we've had along the way, what we learned from them, and how we keep moving forward in the face of adversity. John, I didn't even tell you I was doing that. That was awesome. It no. was like genuine response. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm loving the new audiobook you recommended. That is a killer one. Story brand. Love yeah, man. Yeah, I've recently been cruising through a lot more audiobooks. Um, either whether I'm in the shop in my car or I got a new Alexa. So when I'm washing dishes, I, I fire up the audiobook and and I've been consuming a lot more. The the last book, um, as you mentioned, is called Building a Story Brand. It's by Donald Miller. Um, this book has some unbelievable insight on how you can improve your business's messaging and help it grow uh, in a vast array of business types. Uh, and, and I've really, really been into it as well. We're actually jumping on the the story brand kind of concept for MFP here with our next couple products we got coming out. So really excited, awesome stuff there. Um, and if you're interested in any of our top audiobooks, make sure you head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash books. We've got a bunch of them listed out there for you as well as a free trial on Audible. Yeah, absolutely. Make it a little bit, bit easier for you guys. You can just go straight to that uh, site and we're going to have our recommendations as well as the, the audible trial. So you don't have to go into two different locations. Uh, before we get into it, we want to thank our new members that joined the MFP patron tribe this week. We had Marie at DIY Montreal. We had Graham J. Boyd and Shane O'Flaherty. Hope I got that right, Shane. Sorry about that. Uh, if you want to support the show and get some of the awesome rewards that those folks are going to be doing, like the after show and some IG reviews, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Awesome, dude. What you been getting into this week, John? So I um, I dropped the river table build, which is a, was a long time coming. Uh, oh, right, yeah. Right now I'm hammering through all of the all the messages, all the DMs, all of the random people calling me on the phone because they found my website all of a sudden. Uh, pretty funny <laughs> little, little side note before the show. A gentleman called me while Brad and I were prepping and he got to hear the full <laughs> the full project fantastic. inquiry. He's like, hey. Hey, you do, you do woodworking. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that was the lead in. Hey, you're a woodworker, right? <laughs> so, um, so I'm handling all the stuff that goes along with getting the uh, exposure that that's had, and, and it's going well. So I'm excited there. Um, as well as when this drops, we will be just getting back from WorkbenchCon. So, uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Wrapping back on that and getting to meet everybody. So. Even though this is beforehand, I want to thank everyone that came out to WorkbenchCon <laughs> because this will be showing up after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we know it's going to be awesome. I'm totally stoked for that. Uh, John and I are actually heading out tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go down a little bit early, hang out with some other content creators. And then, yeah, we are, are stoked to give our presentations and just meet a lot of you folks out there because I know there's quite a few of you that are over there on the Facebook group that have said that you're going. Uh, and we are so stoked. And I'm sure that 
I'm sure we had an awesome time and I'm sure that, you know, we had some delicious Bud Lights as well. Um, this week I've been working, uh, well, I, I actually have just released, I guess, the nesting stools. Those will have come out. So those are scheduled to come out later this week, which will be right as this show is, is airing right before that. Uh, and I also will be doing in real time, uh, a giveaway coming up. So uh, this week after you listen to this, there should be a giveaway coming on my page. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, and I've also got a lot of other things that I'm, I'm just kind of jockeying in the in the content calendar. So I've got several projects. So I'm not exactly sure what that next one is going to be just yet waiting on a few things to come through. But uh, yeah, I got a lot of things that have fallen into place recently. So I'm really excited because I've basically got everything locked down for the rest of first quarter and even into second quarter, which is great. Nice. But I know that's always a good feeling, man. Now it's just like execute. But, you know, speaking of executing and sometimes it doesn't always go so well. So what like what does failure even mean to you or what, what what's Webster's definition or at least Wiki's? <laughs> so, so Wiki's definition of failure is going to fall into um, the concept of, quote unquote, lack of success or the omission of expected or required action. Um, and, and basically what that means in my understanding and our understanding is that things didn't go the way you expected and they're not going well. Um, and, and a lot of people define failure as external influence on something. You know, they're looking at something and saying that it didn't go the way it was planned. Or if you're in, you know, for instance, if you're in a sporting event, um, the outcome of every situation there is a win. If you don't win, you lost, which happens to be seen as as failure. And that's kind of how not my, first your last. You ain't first like your last. Yeah. And that's <laughs> and that's pretty much my mindset on failure is is you know if you if you ain't first your last. <laughs> but that's you know it, but that's because coming from athletics, everything is extremely black and white. And me, for instance, I'm a very black and white person. I do not like to to hang out in the gray matter or the 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 confusion zone of of where you don't really know if like things are good or bad. I'm a very much you know, try to look at things and go, in, in this situation, I wanted this result. It didn't happen. Why didn't that happen? Take the steps to get it there for the next time, not make an excuse on why it didn't. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with my outlook on how, what failure is and that there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I've, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of things in life that most people my age haven't seen or come close to that could be considered failing. Um, starting with football, you know, going through, uh, that journey and, for what most people see it as is, um, you know, getting a shot to play in the NFL and having that ability and opportunity to, to even sniff uh, a locker room and, and get, get on the field and whatnot. But in my eyes, you know, I, I constantly look back on that as a failure in my life because it wasn't the outcome that I wanted. Um, and yeah, it was cool and amazing. And it's not like I'm sitting here and I'm down on myself because of it, but it's just not the outcome or what I wanted. It was not the success output that I wanted. So for me, it was a failure. Um, and going through going through that for, you know, the better part of four years and 13 cuts and five teams and whatever might have came from it, uh, you can start to, you can, you can obviously see how failure could become a regularly used word in your vocabulary when you should be able to spin that. And I think that's a concept where we want to go with the show is how you can use that to your advantage and how you can use it to get to the next step. So uh, defining failure is definitely something that, uh, you know, I look at as, you know, lacking Lacking the outcome I wanted, or or the uh, or the, that success uh, element that you were seeing in a certain situation. Yeah, and I, I like what you said there. As far as I mean, obviously that's you know, we want to put a, a positive spin on this, and and kind of during the show we're going to just talk about 
you know, how have we dealt with things and some of those things? And and obviously, John, you're you're one with the NFL is just an awesome example that of you know being being in that lifestyle and it not working out. But but I, I really like what you said, right? In most people's eyes, like that's that's massive win. Like, oh my God, dude, you play in the NFL. Like that's just amazing, which it is, uh, because you know, when you do all the statistics and look at the number of people that get there, but still that was not, you know, what you hoped would happen in the the grand scheme of things. Um you know, I'm sure you'd love to still be playing right now, like when you were back in that mindset. But uh, but I think it goes, you know, all the way from that, from like life decisions into like the tiny stuff that we do as as business owners. And, you know, as we do with husbands and daughters and sons and, and wives that, uh, you know, failure goes across the board. And uh, as you compartmentalize it and think about how you deal with it in your life and in the business that. Uh, I think mean, it's, it's really something that's really important because I think a lot of, especially as a small business owner, people starting out, you're going to face it. I mean, that's just a, that's just a given, like you're going to face failure. And uh, if you don't handle it properly, then you can get down on it. And if you don't do it, you know, like John's saying, use it as an opportunity that you can, you can quickly wash out of something that you're passionate about if you don't have some grit. Right. I mean, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing about failure is like just having, having grit, uh, whether any place it is in, in your life that just have the grit to go through it and, uh, you know, not beating yourself up and, and looking on the other side of it. So like, you know, and maybe what we do, John, is just kind of walk through some of the, the small failures. I know we kind of talked about this and written it down of, of just like, you know, small failures. So like day to day, how do you deal with things when things go wrong day to day to keep yourself on track and then kind of go from there into midterm and then like, you know, full scale blowouts. And we'll kind of talk about some of the business failures and, and uh, you know, corporate failures that, that you and I have both seen. Yeah. I think what's interesting about being a maker or, or woodworker, fabricator, furniture maker, whatever you want to call yourself is the fact that, you know, in, in its simplest form, we're problem solvers. What we are are individuals who are taking something and trying to create something else out of it and AKA solving a problem. So in that, you're going to have a lot of little failures that come from each individual project to your day-to-day operations um, and even your, you know, something as, as ridiculous as your scheduling. Like you could have small failures in that. So um, for me on a daily on a daily basis, you know, I, tr- I have to um, get my mindset right is something that I think a lot of people don't realize with the failure aspect is that dealing with failure comes down to how you're how mentally capable you are of handling um any situation. So most of us are, you know, so driven and passionate about what we're doing is that we see uh, these, these opportunities that come up and you get like, just so into it that you, uh, you, you want something so badly, you lose your, uh, I guess your, your mental psyche and, and the reason you're doing it and that you just become extremely driven and focused on the outcome when you don't realize that there's a lot of learning to be done in the process. Um, So as a maker, you know, that could be everything from, Oh, you order a bunch of wood and it comes in and you have, you know, it's, it's uh, the figure in it isn't as good as you want it or something happens there. And like, how do you handle that situation all the way to, if you're managing employees and you know, they, they have a screw up. Uh, this is something that I'm constantly battling is that it's very hard for me to understand how another person doesn't think like me, which I think is human nature, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but that's human nature, you know, it's for me to see a situation and look at something and know what I want and how to get it done. It doesn't happen the same way for everybody else. So having an employee, for instance, you know, he does something or they do something 
and it doesn't have the outcome that you're looking for, that small failure in that situation is a great opportunity to teach and learn. And it's on both ends, which I think is important. The small things that go into your day-to-day are a great opportunity for, for, for two things, I believe. One is for you to teach the other individual who's involved or uh, look at the other parties that are involved. But two is also look at yourself and what could you have done better. So I've had a few situations in my my business and my personal life that I've looked at situations and could have been furious, fuming, and extremely upset um, over small failures, whether it was, I think one of them was, you know, we did a walnut counter back here in um, this fall. And I distinctly, I went and I cut the template, I bring it into the shop, I, I hand it over to Buck. Um, I'm out of the shop the next day doing some other stuff. I come back in, Buck has it cut, but he missed like one small detail on it. And I looked at it, I was not happy turn around, look at him. And then I realized that the, the reasoning for this failure wasn't on him. It was on me that I didn't do a clear enough job of assessing the situation and giving him clear enough guidelines in order to succeed. Um, so looking at that failure of that moment, I was able to learn from that situation that I needed to be a better teacher or I needed to be a better leader in that situation. And I, and I personally look at all failures and all good in my life as well in the same light. I mean, it probably comes from being a lineman, you know, my hands in the dirt kind of thing. And when people are winning, you know, the quarterback or running back or whomever is up on the pedest, is up on the, you know, uh, getting the trophies and, and, and handling the limelight while the rest of us are in the dirt and just enjoying being part of a winning team. Also goes the same thing for failure. You know, when people start pointing fingers, you have to be able to put it on yourself and realize that I could have done better. I should have been better. So small things in day to day, you know, you happen to have projects that you could have a joinery method goes wrong or, you know, something splits or breaks or whatever in, in, in whatever you're doing. Um, but the, the, those are great opportunities for you to learn and look at that, those small failures that could possibly come and get better from them. And that's kind of how I, I start I stack to do anything in my life. You know, it's a small, then medium, large, and, you know, full scale. Right. I guess it kind of goes back to, like, the goal-setting concept. And, and for me, that's a uh, that's something in the small category that I think is a, is very easy for all of us to, to pull a little bit of insight from and try to get better on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and at this point, I mean, I, I just, like, I embrace them, man, because I used to get really wound up, and I still do. Um, I, I've mellowed, man. You should have, I mean, yeah, I'm glad like, you know, you're, you're the guy in your twenties and we're not both in our twenties because this show would just be off the chain. Be, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's crazy now. Yeah. Back in my twenties, I used to, uh, I used to get really wound up and I had a short temper and all this stuff and I've, I've mellowed out in my, in my older years and matured as I've gotten kids. Cause you have to, or you'll go crazy. Um, especially, but yeah, just doing the doing just the little basic stuff. And those are the things that I think a lot of us run into and we're like, you know, the first response that mine usually is, is like, I'm so stupid. Like just this last, the, the nesting stools. Um, I was using dowel joinery and I lined up all my joints, made all my marks and I was using one of those self-centering dowels. And so it's got like six different uh, Mm -hmm. size holes on it. Right. And each one has an alignment mark. Well, I had lined the markup on the wrong one because I was trying to go fast and drill them all. And uh, I lined the markup with the center alignment mark when it should have been the end. So, you know, I lined it up on the quarter inch one, but I drilled it in the three eighths inch one, which was like a half inch over. So I drill it down and I take it apart and I I was going to leave it. I was going to leave that part in the video. Uh, but, and I took it out, but I left out the educational piece of it, but I just like, I, I pulled the drill out and I just looked and I, I took the jig off and I was like, 
it's just like that that guttural just like oh that's the sound of failure and uh but i embraced it because like what i as a content creator i think the great thing is like you said you know it's, it's learning and moving forward but uh, as a content creator, I think that we have a unique, and I like to do it this way. I know yours are, are different a bit because yours aren't as tutorial as mine. But because I do make tutorial content, it's a great opportunity to use that and just stop. And I know a lot of people will gloss over that because it's like, you know, I want, I want to have a good face for it. But that's something I've tried to embrace. When I do failures, I show them. Like when I did the, the base cabinet, I made those drawers too big. After you told me like, hey, make sure you get your hinges right. And I still didn't do the, the drawers <laughs> they, and they hit the doors. Like, right, I showed remaking that. And this one, I think I'm going to get a lot of that same feedback. So what I ended up doing is I used a plug cutter, cut a plug, filled the hole and re-drilled it. And A, it turned into an awesome piece of Instagram content it that did. had like 400,000 views on it, you know? <laughs> and then like, it just turned into, uh, a, like I added, you know, maybe 45 seconds to the video. But I said, hey, look, if you mess up, don't worry about it because you can plug it, use a plug cutter, you know, cut out a, a plug, put it in, you'll never notice it. You know, and it, my, it helped because mine was under an apron, so it was kind of hidden. But anyway, I, I like to embrace it because you can help educate other people. And I don't have like for you, you've got an employee, right? And so it's cool. Like you have that learning opportunity for a lot of us who are in our shops by ourselves. It's like, okay, this is just on you to remember not to do it. And the best part of that story is, is that I did the exact same thing 10 minutes later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that time, that's what it was like, you know, it's the old, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It was just like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. did I literally just do this? Like, did I literally just do this? And I think what you're alluding to is that there's so many little opportunities to get better in our day-to-day -day actions that you can learn from. And like, I'm sure you look back on that situation when you were done and you were like, I need to slow down and stop trying exactly. to speed through everything. And that's a great opportunity to self-reflect and learn from a small failure in your daily process. You know, like that's not something catastrophic. It's not like you, you know, build a client some something and then you realize on the back end that it's three times as expensive and you had to eat it all and you don't have enough money like I did with the glass in my river table. Like that's <laughs> those are things right. that you can become that get a, a, extremely overbearing that could be catastrophic to a project or or your business. You know, what I think is great is that you touched on early is your first response initially to any type of failure or adversity is usually emotional, you know? And uh, a lot of us look at things emotionally and give responses that aren't logical. And you see that situation, you get super upset, you throw the jig at the wall, you storm out of the shop, you know? You start cursing at your dog and your, and your whomever else because uh, you're emotionally reacting to that situation and you're not actually cognitively thinking through a logical response to what happened there. When if you take a deep breath, look back at it and go, oh, this happened because of this. I need to change my process, slow down, think a little bit more. And then you be then you actually get better in that small situation. And I think that's extremely important when dealing with any type of failure is that you do not react emotionally. I actually think you shouldn't react emotionally ever to anything. But that's just me um, on <laughs> robot. I am a robot, which is a hilarious to hear from you, by the way. I'm an emotional because, person, yeah, but like you're like a ball of emotions. You, yeah, but you have to react. <laughs> I think, I, and, and if you you have to react logically to to any situation in order to have the correct outcome you're looking for. Um, it's like my life motto: you never get too high, never get too low. Just keep sawing wood, um, and and that's kind of like how I've how I've chosen to live because I understand that in the good moments they can always go away, and in the bad they go they're always going to go up. 
And because of that, I try to take emotion out of my responses to certain things. Granted, I get the response you just said that's like, <laughs> you're a robot, like you should be super pumped. Like, and, and I get it all the time from people in my life. They're like, dude, that is so amazing. Like, you should be so happy right now. I'm like, meh, like tomorrow's coming. Like, it should be the same thing. But like, that, that's just like how I am. So when you're reacting to failure, I think it's the same thing. And you kind of touched on it earlier. It's like, you could have emotionally been so upset. You know, like, oh, the project's over. Meanwhile, you logically thought through it and you're like, oh, I'll just put a plug in there and boom, keep rolling. You save yourself yeah. all the time and heartache and all the you know, bad stuff that comes from emotional response and you move right into a resolution there and you got better and learned. And I think that's exactly how you should be dealing with those those small little failures yeah. that happen. Today. And the cool thing about, you know, like you said, being a woodworker <clears throat> and a maker, whatever you're you're doing, most of us who are working with your hands are dealing with raw materials and ninety plus percent of the time uh, if you mess something up, it's salvageable, right? And you always hear about like, you know, turn them, turn your mistake into a design element, right? So if you cut, um, if you cut a hole in the wrong side of something, I don't know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good time for like, if I, if that had been a, if that had been in a location that was highly visible, maybe instead of putting a blending plug in there, I put an accent plug in, right? So maybe I put a walnut plug in. So it's a highlight in the project, put one on the other side and make it look like I meant to do it and that it's a design element. So I think that's, you know, one thing that you should always keep in mind, like, yeah, don't don't have if you can control yourself to not, you know, snap that board over your knee or like, you know, trash it so that you don't ruin the rest of it. Even if it was like a huge piece of like really nice plywood, like if you get some nice walnut plywood and you just like completely bork the cut and like undercut it by two inches and have to buy a new sheet. Well, guess what? You can use that other piece that you just messed up for another project, right? So that's the great part about raw material. Actually, uh, having that going through this conversation, one of the things I, I forgot about uh, that just came to my mind is that they are learning lessons too because there's some of those things that will stick with you forever. And one of those, I used to be, uh, when I was in, I think it was in, I started in high school and then in college during the summers, uh, I would frame houses and then I also installed casework. So installed cabinets in hospital schools, stuff like that. Uh, for my buddy's dad. And so we would come, we'd drive to all these different school and hospital sites. Well, we were hanging uh, cabinets in a hospital and it's like, you know, the, this, the, your standard frameless type of cabinet with like laminate, right? So just your basic that you typically see in a doctor's office. And I had to take the doors off. I can't remember why I did it, but I took the doors off. Uh, so I unscrewed all the hinges and everything, took the doors off to, to install them or something, put them back in. And I'm just like sitting, you know, I'm like, whatever, I'm 19 years old. And I'm just like putting the, the hinges back on. I get done doing it, close the door, and I see that screw sticking through the front of the laminate. Mm. So there were there were you know there were the screws that went into the end of the face frame, which were probably like inch and a quarter screws, and then there were probably like five eighths inch screws. And I was just you know cluelessly jamming them in there. To this day, I I can probably say that I have honestly never blown through a piece of material with a long screw because like every time I do I always look at the screw length and I'm like oh my gosh because like you know his dad like he had to go reorder new cabinets uh the, the fronts and everything and it was just like this just impact I was like oh my gosh how did I do that that was so stupid but now that's something I literally think back on every single time I am screwing into a piece of material that is especially three-quarter inch I always look at the screws and I always look at the screw lengths and it's just now part of my process. Like that's just something ingrained all because of that one incident. So like those small things will help give you better habits too, if it makes a big enough impact. And you know, that one was because like, I got, you know, I got the riot act. Actually it was even worse. It was one of those where he just like looked at me and was just like, 
didn't really say anything. It's like, those are worse than like getting yelled at. <laughs> Shook his head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was just like. The disappointment was worn the so disappointment. well in his face that you couldn't even say anything. <laughs> yes. Those, those sometimes are worse than the full scale, you know, berating. Cause then at least you can be mad and be like, yeah, jerk. And then like, when they just look at you, it's just like, oh God, I let that guy down. Like, yeah. oh man, I, I was, I was yes. so down. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, dude, that was me playing sports. Like I didn't, if I got beat, it was like fine. But then you look at like, you know, I never gave up a sack, so I couldn't say that. But like, if I, if I like miss something and like running back gets like slaughtered in the backfield and I'm like <laughs> peeling him off the ground and you can see like the pain in his face. You're just like, I did that to him. <laughs> I am a terrible human. Like this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, hear, I feel you there, dude. And I, and I think the, uh, I think caring about it has a lot to do with it as well. Like when you care about what you do, that's when you're more inclined to react emotionally. That's when you're more, uh, more likely to take those learning experiences out of what's happening. Um, and I, and I think it's a good thing. I mean, that's where I think that failure in that situation at 19 wasn't detrimental to your life. Um, and now you have a great habit that you built upon that because of, you know, blowing inch and a quarter screws through the face frame of a cabinet in the hospital that you, you know, you were working in when you were, when you were super young and you look at those situations and you take them for granted until you realize that that made you a better uh, you know, better builder, better maker, better whatever, as you got older. And I think that that's what small, small failures provide for us um, in life. Now, I think what uh, most of us need to be doing more of is looking at situations that are going on in a day to day basis and seeing, you know, what's working and what's not taking the parts that aren't and working on making those better. Um, and this is something, you know, you and I talk about a lot with our mate with our business here and that we both talk about with our individual businesses, because for the most part, if you're like myself and you look at things black and white, if something isn't going the way you want it to, it's failing and it needs to be fixed. Um, and, and you have those situations where everything from you know, your customer acquisition process all the way down to your response times, to your, your content calendar, to your, uh, you know, your production scheduling, your, your product ordering, all of it is a process and all of those process have opportunity for to get better or to get worse. Um, and, and I think that looking at the little failures that come from situations, for instance, we were talking earlier in the show when that person called me on the phone, like that's me not having a proper funnel set up so that someone can call my cell phone <laughs> and ask if I had a guy these woodwork, you know, like, and, and that's my fault. And I need to be able to look at that situation, that small little thing that you could just brush off and make sure that that doesn't happen again. So that when it, you know, that I put that customer in a better position to get taken care of one and two, I make my life easier by not having random people calling me at all hours of the day, asking if I can, you know, take a sycamore log from their mom's yard and make them a, make them a bench. Um, so the little failures, uh, I think in our day-to-day -day process are something that we all glance over that we can definitely get better from. Um, you know, moving on to the next stage, we, as things continue to grow and expand, expand, excuse me, you're going to have those, those middle ground type of situations that, uh, aren't always going to go as planned as well. And, and I, and I don't really, I would say like the, the middle term, goals or failures would be situations that are more, uh, more top end type, uh, business, business things. For instance, two weeks ago, we had a little spoof with our website. Um, you know, something popped up with our security and, um, you know, those things fall back on to me and mostly me because I managed the site, but us not having the proper processes in place. And, um, 
because of that, it put us in an opportunity for our, our posts to literally not go live on Tuesdays, which just everyone is used to. Um, and because of that, you know, we had to shuffle some things around and make a decision on if we wanted to stay doing what we were doing or continue to move forward. So in the middle terms, in the middle ground, I, I think there's a lot of aspects of our lives and our businesses that um, we're, we, we look at, you know, speed bumps and don't really realize that those are small aspects of failure as well that we can continue to get better on. Um, you got any more examples there? I'm trying to, I'm trying to spin on it. I'm still cloudy. I'm coming over a cold guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I think these are the ones So like the kind of the midterm, uh, you know, we call them the midterm. So maybe not just like the small daily stuff, but as you said, uh, so that, you know, we had the hiccup with a website, but looking at like things that you do over and over again, and there's part of this is failure and part of it is not being as efficient as you can. Right. And then that, what that can lead to. I think these are really important because I think the the more that you do your processes that are not optimal. So, you know, this we're kind of vibing again, kind of blending in between failure and efficiency. Like this is where you can really win or lose, because if you have a process that is failing, like a process like what is it? What, what did we say at the beginning? Uh, omission of the expected or required action. Right. So uh, if you're if your expected action is that you can let's just keep it on the podcast. If I can edit a podcast in two hours, but it's taken me three hours, I still got it done. But my expected time was two hours, but I spent an extra hour. Now take that back into the workshop, right? So if you're designing something, if you're editing a video, if you're uh, you know bidding something out to a customer, if you're taking extra time and you're not getting it done in the time that you want to or that you should or that you've budgeted for. I mean, that and that's a great example. I bring in the budget, right? If you if you uh, quote a customer for 20 hours for a build and you spend 30 hours, that's a failure. I mean, you're you're losing money because of that. And those are the, the midterm things that uh, I think can eat away at your business that if you don't take a step back and look at them and address them and understand why. And so maybe the failure is that So going back to that quote, so if you quoted 20 hours and it took you 30, there's two opportunities there. One, you quoted wrong, so you have a failure in your quoting process, and really it it should take you 30 hours. Or two, uh, you 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 messed something up in the process or whatever, you did something that should have taken you 20 hours that took you 30. And those are super, super important for your business uh, to get a profitable business and to be able to take a look when things don't go as planned and adjust as necessary. Because if you don't, then that starts leading into what we'll talk here in a minute is the, is the big time failures, right? Yeah. And I think the important aspect of what you're saying is to recognize it. You know, we all um, want to get things done. Like a lot of us base our lives as entrepreneurs, business owners, as getting things done. There's checklists upon checklists upon checklists. And if you're knocking things off, you feel like you're winning when really you should be looking at what, what Brad said there is the process. And if you are hitting the um, parts of the process the way they're supposed to be done. Um, great example there with a lot of time for a project. If you're working in a manufacturing facility and you got to take an extra five minutes to do anything, think about it in the terms of an assembly line. You're holding up the whole line and, uh, and that costs money and that costs a lot of money in large scale operations. And you should be treating your business as a large scale operation like that. So you know, what, why did that happen? So what you do is you sit back on that moment and you go, why did something take me 30 hours over 20? And you break it down. And this is the part where I said before is that you need to look at the situation and learn from it. Um, and by learning from it, you can get better for the next time that it's going to happen. So you break it down and you look at what happened and why it happened, whether it was, um, 
in your control or out of your control. So say you needed to order, you know, 100 board feet of walnut and your distributor was two days late because there was a snowstorm. All right, completely out of your control. But on the other hand, if the, that stuff comes in on time and it takes you a, an extra day and a half because you wanted to save, you know, 10 cents a board foot by not having it milled S4S for your project and you did it yourself, except you didn't budget enough time, you know, now that's you understanding next time you're ordering your stock milled um, or you get into the later parts of the project and you wanted to do mortise and tenon joinery and you're using your uh your hollow mortise chiseler and and you realize you know oh crap this took me an extra 15 hours you know if i'm billing 15 hours what is that 50 bucks an hour is it 300 bucks no yeah, wow. i hope not yeah <laughs> john still doesn't i think that's like 750 700 yeah, 700 whatever it is you look at the cost of the lost wage on the the job itself as well as the amount of money lost on the next phase of the job um, that you could have been doing, and then you realize, oh, I need to buy a domino because that's going to save me time, and I won't make the mistakes that I made, and you know, blah blah blah. So these little failures in your process when it goes into creating an actual project are going to be the parts of your uh, your your process. I guess I'm just going to keep hammering the process are going to be parts of uh, your your build process where you're going to be able to find. Um, you know, uh, strangleholds or what, what's the word I'm looking for, Brad? Bottlenecks. Bottlenecks that you're able to fix. And those are going to come from small failures from you being able to self-reflect and evaluate on those processes. So, woo. yeah, I, I, cloudy, <laughs> man. Good, man. I know. We're, we're cloudy with a chance of meatballs over there. Um, we have, I, I think, a, another opportunity to kind of point at, I, like, I like what you said about the weather because I was thinking about that, like about failure and about, okay, well, in your control, out of your control. Um, but I think that, you know, Going back to you having complete and total control and ownership of your business, uh, like you said, if you had ordered something, let's say you ordered some material and it didn't show up because of the weather, uh, I, I think that would be a lot of people be like, ah, oh, gosh, those guys, they hosed me and, you know, it's their fault. It's the, it's the weather, whatever. Uh, but then, you know, looking back on that, I think even if it's something that's out seemingly out of your hands, you should still take a look at it. So, you know could you have ordered that a week earlier? Like, right. Were you cutting it so thin mm -hmm. that it had to get there on time? Are you giving yourself enough buffer? Uh, are you ordering quantity that you have backside, depending upon what kind of production, you know, facility you run and like how much you put out. Like if you're selling, I was watching just this morning, like Matt Plumley blows my mind. Like dude is up at like 3am every morning, like working in a shop. And then he goes to work. Like it blows my mind. But anyway, he does a, from Gotwood workshop. he, he uh, makes these arrows on Etsy. And so he's got a production line down. And, you know, if he's making whatever, 50 of these a week, um, if he's going out and buying the lumber every day, right, that doesn't clearly doesn't make any sense. Right. So he's probably buying it every week or even every two weeks or whatever. Like he's going to have a stash of lumber. So if there's a spike in orders that he can react immediately and he doesn't have to go out there. So think about those things like what are the what are the uh, risk mitigation factors, right, going into my corporate lingo. Anytime you have a failure, uh, you want to be planned for that. So there are some failures that you can plan for and plan around and like weather and delivery. Way you can get around that is ordering earlier, understanding what you need and getting that order in immediately when you know it, instead of being like, oh yeah, I got, I got time and I don't want that stuff to clutter up my shop. Uh, you know, you're taking a risk. So there's, there's parts of reacting to failure and there's a whole nother conversation, I think, around uh, setting yourself up to avoid failure. And that would be like risk mitigation, 
right? And that, that's a whole, a whole thing. Um, there's some really cool spreadsheets I could send you, John. There's this one called a failure modes effects analysis, an FMEA and Six Sigma, blow your mind. And there's probably, there's probably like three people out there that are really laughing to themselves because I know some engineers listen to this too. But uh, yeah, Six Sigma, man, you'll, we got you covered. When I took cost accounting in college, I was mind blown by it. And I'm still sitting on that mind blow from 10 years ago. <laughs> so I'm cool. You don't need to send that over. You're good. Okay. okay I'm okay. all right. But I do appreciate it. But but you I mean you got a great point there. Is it you look at uh, what was the what was the FMEA? FMEA failure mode effect analysis. So when you look at failures, the first word of the analysis, and you look at how high end businesses uh, function using that to look at. You have to sit and look at yourself as a small business and and go. You know, I have to be evaluating the failures and bottlenecks in my business in order to get better. Um, and I think that those are just some great examples there. Uh, and and you can literally start to break down. Oh, so many parts of what's going on in your life in order to find where failure is and how you can get better at it. I mean, and this is this is what being an entrepreneur is. This is what you and I do on a daily basis with MFP. I mean, we're we're super excited because we're always, you know, growing and getting better, but we're also bringing on, you know, some outsourcing opportunities in the business in order for you and I to focus on what we want to do and provide better content and better products, you know, with our own businesses. We're fortunate to have made for profit in this relationship where you help me get better at certain things and then I do the same for you and vice versa. So like find that find that uh, opportunity in your own personal life and small business where you can reach out to somebody if we're not giving you enough information here on MFP and, <laughs> and you know, go grab uh, a little bit of knowledge or look at somebody who's doing something better than you. I think the next step in failure evaluation is finding somebody or some someone or some situation that's doing it better than you are and look at how they're doing that and then implement it into what you're doing. Um, and, and that kind of leads into, you know, where uh, the, the stories of our, yeah. Let me hit John real quick. I want to, I want to jump because like, I think it, I just kind of stumbled on that. I just want to hit on that for just a, a second because like this was yeah. Just came up as we were talking, and I, I'm loving this conversation because it's just kind of flowing and lots of cool stuff coming up. But uh, I think the other thing that you can do, and I, you know, I, I'm really bad at applying these things that I learned from a corporate aspect to my business, and so like that, you know, that's definitely something I'm going to write down. Is that so? This failure modes effects analysis, the whole idea behind it is that you're looking at that. You're not evaluating your failures. You're evaluating how the process could go wrong. So I think that's the flip side of it is don't wait for something to go wrong before you figure out how to fix it. So let's just take a super uh, easy example. So like this, a failure mode is basically any way a process can fail. So if, if you said, okay, like if you wanted to look at it and said, okay, if I run out of finish, right? So I'm, I'm using a can of armor seal to finish up these stools. Um, what happens if I run out? Okay, so there's a couple opportunities there. Do I have a backup can? Right. So that's an, an easy one. Right. I've got another can. No problem. I go over there and open up the other can. Uh, if I don't have the can, uh, where's the local store? Do they carry it? Did I have to order it? So like as you start looking this on there, then you you kind of take that failure and you take uh, the outcome of that failure, which would be, you know, as easy as I walk over. So if I say, hey, I just walk over because I've got back stock of it and I get a new one that doesn't slow me down. If it's a specialty item and I have to wait a week for it you know, that then now I have to make a completely different decision. Do I use another finish? I've already got this thing halfway finished. What do I do? Uh, do I have to, or something kind of in the middle, I have to get in my, in my truck and drive down to the woodcraft. And for me, that's only 10 minutes, but for you, it might be 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, and I think that that's the way you can kind of evaluate 
the impact of these failures. So that's a great way. Like if you're out in the sticks and it takes you an hour and a half to get to your local Home Depot or wood, you know, wood supply store or whatever, it's more important for you to have backstock of items because you can't get it easily. So think about that. Like, you know, the, um, I guess the, the risk of that failure, if that happens, like how big of a deal is it going to be for you? And if it's something small, no big deal. Like if you run out of paper and you've got a whole ream of paper over there, you just grab some more. But if you run out of paper and, and you got to go to your, your staples or your office max or whatever and get more paper, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that you should be thinking through as you're looking at your projects and looking at your process is, am I ready? Do I have backup materials? And what am I going to do if X, Y, Z happens, right? If, if I hit a nail in my joiner, do I have a, a backup set of joiner blades? Well, that's a great example mm-hmm. because, you know, people do like, do, you, do I have an extra table saw blade? Like, do I have an extra break for my, my table saw if I, you know, hit a piece of aluminum on my miter saw fence? Like, I know that's happened to a ton of people. Yeah. Right? They don't have that extra break or the table saw blade, and then they're out for two or three days because they got to order it and wait for it to show up. Yeah, and I think uh, I think what you're touching on is, is a perfect example of the middle grade failures that you seem to just look over. Um, if you are taking the process of what you're doing and after it's complete, it's a great opportunity to go back and see where these things happened and create processes in order to avoid things in the future. So you hit on a bunch of stuff there. And this is a lot of things that come into my life. Um, you know, all of your consumables and running out of those are going to be a great opportunity to create processes to speed up your production and to make sure that things like that don't happen again. So we've touched, touched on it before in previous shows, like, are you buying your pocket hole screws in 50 piece boxes or are you buying them in five pound boxes? Like, are you going to have backup when your bin runs out um, and it's Saturday night and everything's closed? You can't run to Lowe's to grab more. Or are you going to create a process in which you understand, you know, beginning of each week, I go through my inventory and know I have this project. I have, you know, X amount of whatever was going on in there. And you have a little checklist that takes 15 minutes before each project starts and you go through things to make sure you don't run out of finish or you don't like the stupid little stuff is what catches you. Right, Brad? Like my, oh, yeah. uh, the buck's been in there for like weeks now telling me we need to get foam brushes and I've ordered foam brushes like eight times. I don't think he realizes he just runs through them, but like something <laughs> that small, if you don't have a foam brush and you need it and then you're like scrambling, that's like five minutes oh, here. Ten. It's, it's always and the it's worst thing too. So it's like, it's like the 25 cent item, right? Yeah. yeah that, that's it's, it's not the, it's not the new table saw blade. You're right. It's like the you know, the, the gloves or the, mm-hmm. just the screws or the glue, or, you know, we were just talking about glue. It's like, it's the little stuff that'll get you because it's not a big ticket item and you don't think about it. But then like something as small as that can shut the entire process down, you yep. know, especially for one man shops. So what I think this is, is a great opportunity as we always harp on is to create a process. Like you said earlier, Brad, in order to find where failure is possible and eliminate it before it gets there. Um, and I think that that is a lot of what's going to be covered in this like middle grade um, type, uh, t- these middle grade aspects of like a failure evaluation for your business. Um, and then moving into it, you know, getting into the higher level stuff is going to be the catastrophic aspects of your business. You know, like where, you know, <laughs> where failure is something that you're going to look back on for years uh, you know, if, if I run out of foam brushes on my on the, my next project, I'm probably not going to be th- thinking about it in four years from now. But <laughs> if I shut the doors, might be. if I shut the doors <laughs> on my business and four years from now, I'm probably still going to be thinking, why did that happen? How could I have prevented it? So 
Um, you know, little little precursor here. I have owned a business, and, and the business is still open. I'm just not a partner in it anymore. Um, and I did have to step away from it. And in 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 that, in my eyes, is another large failure in my life that has driven me to the point that I'm at here today. Um, so you know, I've already touched on once uh, the football and, and my personal thoughts on. Uh, you know, not getting the outcome that I wanted uh, from that situation because I'm, like you said, Brad, I'm, I'm still not in the league. I'm not playing. I didn't get the 10-year career that I wanted out of it. And, you know, I'm not going to ever get a yellow jacket. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even start. So those things that uh, I was dreaming of and that I wanted out of that situation just didn't come. Well, when I started a business with an old teammate of mine, uh, you know, we were just kind of running and gunning. I had a business degree. He was super creative. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, and that's a ironic, crazy, common sentence that happens to a lot of people that are talking about family businesses. <laughs> yeah. So we, um, so we get we into it, it and man. we started this. It felt good. Yeah, we started this creative <laughs> studio. We had a good relationship at the beginning, and um, we we you know had an idea of what we wanted to do, and we were just hustling. I mean, like we were making money and things were fine, but we didn't understand a lot of the ins and outs of higher level business with owning a, you know, owning a physical studio and understanding the amount of income we were making per square foot and blah, 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 and having tons of overhead and employees and an unusable space and insurance and liability and in all kinds of just stuff. It just ended up becoming a conundrum of unregulated processes, constant, constantly, and I, I think this is a common term, constantly putting out fires um, because things are just going wrong left and right. And there was never any like it was never ever taking a step forward. It was just trying to stay where we were and not have things go backwards. Um, so I ended up looking at the situation and not being, not being anywhere close to happy with my life. One and and two, um, it drove a massive wedge between myself and my partner's relationship, um, and I I had to walk away from it. And it was and it sucked because I had a lot of time invested. I had a lot of money invested into this old business and, um, and I just had to eat it and basically just take it on the chin and, and move to the next stage of my life, which happens to be where we're at now. But, um, looking at that failure, you know, I look at my business now and I look at the day-to-day operations and I look at the, um, what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And one huge thing that I wasn't doing when I was at the studio was learning. I wasn't consuming any type of learning material or anything outside of where I was at that point in my life um, because I didn't realize the vast opportunity to do that, one. Two, I didn't realize the benefit of you know, consuming audiobooks and taking workshop classes and learning uh, videography and photography and how to market properly and, and then, uh, you know, and then a networking with other people that are running small businesses similar to what you're doing. Like, I didn't see any of that because I came from athletics. And what's crazy in athletics is you have a coach who tells you what to do and then tells you how to do it. And all your job is, is to just do what they say to the best of your ability. And all you got to do is execute. It takes the thought out of it. Um, so I like I thrived in that situation. I was trained in it and I looked at the situation. I had my partner. We'd come up with an idea and we'd execute. We never got perspective and we never understood what was going on outside of it. So reflecting back after things failed, I looked at it and I was like, we were idiots because I was just never, <laughs> never trying to get better or think outside the box um, onto what was happening and why things were happening or like using examples of other types of businesses in order to try to mirror those or get better from them or segment parts out of it. So like uh, that's just one small instance of how I took uh, my experience with the studio that 
I look at it as a failure and moved it into the next stage of my life. So since that day, you know, I've been uh, putting everything I possibly can on myself to learn and get better at what I'm doing and to make sure that I'm never stagnant. I'm a true believer that if you're, you know, you're not getting better, you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. And, uh, you know, there is this great situation of where I walked away from something and took everything that I saw as bad. And now I'm trying to turn all those things into good, good things going forward. And I could talk about this for hours because if you ever fail in, in a business, you're going to realize there's a hundred thousand reasons why, um, and not just one thing particularly. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, John, is that most big failures too, like when things really go south, uh, at that level, uh, it, it's never immediate, right? It's never a singular thing. It is, and we kind of hit on it in the mid, but it's it's a, it's a slow fail, right? It is things just going wrong, things building up, things not being addressed. And I think you hit it right in the head, right? You guys weren't doing what you probably should have been doing, and that led to a lot of stuff that was just not being done. And I'm sure all that culminated in, you know, arguments over direction of the business and, and which finances and all that stuff. But um, you know, for me, I, same thing, like I'll relate it back to kind of the corporate life because, um, you know, for me, I like going back in, into like the life direction of what do you want to do and, and getting into corporate America. Like I was, I was stoked. Like when I first started, I started working, I actually started working at G aircraft engines in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I started working there as fresh out of college, a mechanical engineer, and I, I was having a blast and I was just, there's a lot of hands-on stuff, and um, but coming straight out of it in mechanical engineering, I started into design, and basically like a guy sat me down and was like, "Hey, dude, I need you to um, analyze the vibrational uh, the vibrational signature of these test engines." You know, and he like legit. So this was what 2000. He legit like slapped down like 1500 sheets of paper and like handed me a ruler. And I was like, "What?" what? <laughs> <laughs> and so. I was like, this is a fail right there. Like, um, wow. it was, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was enlightening. And so I, and then there was a couple other things, right? So that, that job was not a great fit. Uh, but then luckily for me, that was actually a co-op. And then, so when I went in full time, I went into the operations. So I kind of went from design, which I thought I wanted to do, like using AutoCAD and actually designing parts and stuff like that. Uh, which sounds super awesome to design an aircraft engine until you realize like you're literally designing like a bolt and then like, you know, a, a shroud and like, you know, you're not doing the whole thing. And so I went into operations because that was like the whole assembly and the overhaul of these things, which which again was really cool. Uh, but then again, kind of a slow fail. What I realized is like I wasn't fulfilled and like what I realized, you know, many, many years later is it was just like, you know, I just didn't like working for the man. I didn't like to like it didn't it didn't fill me up. And I think that's what, you know, kind of getting a little bit into like life strategies. And and like I think that that's absolutely something that you should look at is is are you being fulfilled uh, in your life is what you're doing. Are you passionate because you need fulfillment and you need passion in your life and you can get that from your family. You can get that from your day job. You can get that from your side hustle. And those things can live together and like you know, I dig it. Like I completely dig it because, um, I am very, very thankful for my corporate job, even though, so my first job, I stayed there seven years. Then I moved on, stayed at my next job for five years, moved on, stayed at my next job for four years. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm here. Um, and so I had, you know, 17 years, uh, a little bit of rounding there. 
I had 17 years in, in corporate America and like that was a very slow failure. And it was a, f- a failure in the sense of like, I was not being inspired. I was not being necessarily even challenged. I, I just wasn't getting out of it what I wanted to get out of it. And so that led to, you know, all kinds of things. And then what I found on the other side is that I found this thing in making and content creating that filled me up. And so that's, you know, a great example of, of like you said, you know, John, you taking the NFL and changing it into that. And, and that was kind of, you know, maybe not on your terms. Mine was kind of on my terms. I just didn't like it. You know, it was like I could have kept doing it. I could still be in my day job right now. And I was making really good money, honestly. Um, and it, it was safe, but it didn't fill me up. Yeah. Right. And so there's one th- I think that's the that's also an interesting thing that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going through, too. And and, you know. I'm going to just stop right now and say, like, make sure like you need to take care of your family and yourself financially. Uh, and if you're toeing the line at a job you don't like to provide for your family, uh, do that. And there's a lot of honor in that. And there's a lot of, you know, I, I personally believe there's a lot of honor in that. Uh, and in the sense of providing for your family as a breadwinner, whether you're, you know, whether you're a husband or a wife. Um, of doing that. But at the same time, you know, if you can work on that stuff on the side, and that's what we did, you know, I've talked about us working through and, and working to be debt free is that you can take that, like what you don't want to be doing, use the benefits of that. So for me, the benefit was the monetary compensation. And I used that to build myself up to where I could get to what I really wanted to do and then kind of flip the script and then be able to build into my side business to where it could sustain. So, uh, you know, I think looking at it from a life thing, I I know a lot of people are going through that. Like we get that all the time, right? John, people are like, Hey, how do I do the side business? Um, you know, if you hate your day job right now, stick it out. Like you, you know, make sure don't, don't jump from it just because you don't like it because you know, you, you've got to set yourself up because if you jump too early, that's also going to lead to some of that business failure. Like do all those things that John was talking about. Like you need to be studying. You need to be, you know, hopefully we're helping you provide some information and education for you. But, you know, if you're just counting on us, you need to be going, you need to be doing more. You need to be doing more, whether that's night classes or seminars or, or audiobooks or whatever, to really get up to snuff to make sure that when, when you make that jump, that you're not going to hit that failure. And I think uh, you also touched on there is is don't make an don't t- use that as an opportunity for an emotional response. Just because you Absolutely. you don't like quote unquote like what you're doing, um, life has put you in that role for a reason, and that reason may be something above what we're able to think and and, and where we're at. And it could poss- quite possibly be just because it's supposed to be a great learning experience for you. Um, <clears throat> and those are things we've all been through. You know, my first. And I'll be talking about this more at WorkbenchCon, so this will be ironic. But my first cut in the NFL was probably one of the best learning experiences of my life. Um, I came from <clears throat> where I was the man in college. You know, I worked my way up to being a, a starter. I was a captain. I could do no wrong. I was first team all conference. Um, and, and I had a great, you know, 10 win season to end my senior year. I graduated with a, with a 3 4 GPA or something like that and was like doing everything right. Everything was going the way I wanted. Well, that was, uh, in my mind, always an outcome of my input. I was working extremely hard to get there, and then those were the results I was given. Well, life's not actually like that sometimes, or, but <laughs> I can control that, and that's how, that's, I mean, I'm still that same exact way today, but 
getting to that first point where I was sitting in the locker room before going out to practice to have my ankles taped, literally pants at my ankles, the <laughs> strength coach comes in, taps me on the shoulder and tells me coach wants to see me. And my heart sunk all the way to like my, my butt. Like it was the most, um, the most emotional moment I've ever felt in my life. Now, granted, I'm not a father and I'm not married and like I don't have those like great life moments. So for me, it was the end of everything that I've ever known. And I knew it was coming. Um, and from that moment, I learned, I learned humility. I learned how to control what I could control. And I learned that life isn't always going to be uh, glitz and glamour and that you have to be able to, to persevere and, and get through the hard times in order to get to the good ones. So, I've taken that from that moment into the where I'm at now and where my point of that story was to reflect on what Brad was saying with if you're not happy with your situation right now in life, that could be a learning experience for you in the future. Don't take an emotion. Like I could have literally hung up the cleats, then quit, got a job and been done with football. But through perseverance and keeping my head on correctly, continuing to work through the process, I was able to get picked up by another team and ended up squeaking out another three and a half years in the league and kept chasing my dream and got some amazing life experiences from it. So um, just because it could be bad right now or you don't emotionally enjoy what you're doing at the moment, there could be some benefit in it. And I would actually try to flip your mindset to see what good there is in the situation and what you can learn from it. And then take that as your stepping stone into the next part of your life instead of something that you close the door on and forget about. Because I do believe that there a lot of us are in situations that life puts us in in order to learn and get better and move into the next part of our lives. Yeah. And you know, the, the flip side of that, though, is if you are single, young, like, you know, it, it, there's there's a scale there, right? And so it's what is tied to your decision. So for me to make this jump from corporate America with three kids and a wife uh, is going to be very at the age of 40. Uh, the day before I turned 40 is when I turned my resignation. That was like a life goal of mine to quit before I turned 40. So I put in my notice, you know, so technically I didn't quit till it was like 40 in two weeks, but I put in my notice the day before I turned 40. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I look at that versus somebody who is, uh, you know, 22 years old, you know, fresh out of college or 20 years old, you know, fresh out of a trade school or something like you've got a lot more leeway. You don't have the bills. You don't have the overhead. Uh, you know, maybe you don't have a mortgage. You just have rent. Uh, you know, looking at those things like it's different for every single person. So just, you know, I think that's what we like. Don't make brash decisions like John was saying. You know, I mean, it, it sounds very uh, romantic and cavalier to be like, I'm quitting it. You know, I'm just going to do this. That's great. And like we would totally be behind you, but make sure you, you know, you've thought through what happens if you fail, because if if you don't and other people are relying on you, then that's on you. Right. You get you got to be prepared and do it the right way. And if it takes six more months or three more years, then, you know, maybe that's what you have to do. Yeah. And and, and failure is kind of a brash concept or topic to think about. You know, it could be it can be seen in multiple ways. And I think you and I put a, do a good job of kind of spinning, spinning it into a positive light. But I mean, there's a, there is, as if you have been able to notice over the last like 40, 50 minutes, whatever it is, there's a lot of good benefit in failure. And there's a lot of importance in it. Um, everything from the small to the large, you know, starting out. And I, I think it's a good way to lead into our takeaways for the episode is that, um, 
the small failures or any failures in life are a, a great opportunity to learn from experience. Um, you know, it's very easy to read something in a book. It's very easy to hear it from somebody else and learn from it. But you don't learn anything better than you do if you experience it yourself. And failures give you that opportunity. Um, and I think you touched on this a few minutes ago, and I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I think it's a great concept to think that um, growing your own personal goals or setting benchmarks in your life coming from previous failures is also a great uh, secondary part of the concept of failure in life. Um, if you see something, if something happens to you when you're in a situation, you never want it to happen again. It's a great opportunity for you to set a goal or a benchmark and saying, I'm never going through this again ever. Um, and then working towards that type of thing. Um, so those are two great parts of, you know, learning from why, why failure is important, why all of us should go through it. And, and, you know, yes, we want to try to mitigate how much of it happens to us on a daily basis, but when it does happen, embrace it and think of how you can learn from it. Um, and then lastly, I would say, <clears throat> do, 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 um, I would say that failure gives you an opportunity to grow. Um, you know, be, I guess, I don't know if emotionally would be the word, but um, I love the concept of dealing with failure, of not reacting emotionally and react, reacting um, uh, and, and reacting in a way that is thought through and, and in some way that is going to be beneficial to the future. Um, and that's a great learning experience for life. You get punched in the face on a daily basis by things that you can't control. Uh, how are you going to react to them? You know, that's 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 going to dictate the outcome of, of what's going on Uh for you in life. And I think failure is a great, great situation that provides you with those opportunities to learn and get better on how you cope and, uh, and, and how you're going to deal with, you know, all of the, all of the, you know, the gluttony of things that happens to us on a daily basis. Yeah, for sure. And, um, we haven't done homework in a while, but I'll, I'll just throw you a little piece of homework and there's look at that last thing that went wrong and understand why it went wrong and think about how that how you could change that was a look at your last project you made or, or whatever it is and just really take a little bit of time uh, this week to sit back and think about how you can get better and how you can avoid that failure in in the future so dude i, I really enjoyed this conversation john i think it's kind of cool just to have a little bit of the back and forth and a little bit more of a nebulous topic but um hopefully uh, this resonated with a lot of you guys out there and gals and uh, let us know if you if you want to hear kind of more topics like this that aren't necessarily, um, you know, tactical ones and zeros out there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Cool. Well, we will be heading into the after show now. So like we mentioned at the top of the show, this is for our patrons. We do uh, about 20 minutes every week where we answer questions direct from them. So if you'd like to be part of that, again, you can head over to Made for Profit. Uh, excuse me, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit uh, if you want to be part of that tribe. All right, John, let's head on over there, buddy. And then we got to get to WorkbenchCon. Let's do it. See you guys. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks so once again we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode <laughs>